last couple of weeks, I guess the last four weeks now, uh, I've been sharing with you the idea and this concept about what it means to be spiritually hungry and really to desire uh, the Lord. And so, uh, you know, one of the things, though, is that I've I've endeavored in my desire isn't just to preach another sermon. It's not just another weekend to communicate something to you. Um, and it's and so, you know, I mean, I've preached lots of sermons in my life at this point and uh and it's not really even to just create a curiosity in you or to make you stop and think, although I hope I do that. Uh, you know, I hope I'm more than just a blip on your radar of your week, that you actually take the things that you hear and you process them and say, Lord, what are you saying to me through what pastor is communicating? And so that's the goal. It's not just to come here and check off a box. Uh, and, and my goal is not to try to be cute or crafty or those types of things. Uh, that's not my, my goal or my intention. Um, and so, but one of my desires really, especially in this particular series, has been to stir you up to cause a desire and a belief and a faith that you can actually experience God more. More, wherever you're at, wherever you've been, whatever your history is, is that God has more for you, but you have to desire the more. It's not going to happen just because we show up. Like, God will meet us at our place of desire, Well, what happens if we lack desire? So we have to, what? We have to stir ourselves up. You know, I mean, the Bible even gives us uh, the the phrase in Ephesians. It says to, to wake yourself up, stir yourself. You know, like I had to go wake up my kids this morning. And I'm like, hey, it's time to get up. Just roll over. My daughter like acknowledged, didn't even acknowledge that I walked in the room or that I said anything. I go and rub her on the back a little bit. And she's just like, if I don't move, he doesn't know, you know. <laughs> and sometimes spiritually, we have to do that. We have to wake ourselves up. We have to break out of our routine, out of our normal. Why? Because we want something more. And God will meet us at our place of desire. And no one else can do this for you, but it is a decision that you can make. And yes, it is as simple as making a decision many times because what? Our faith leads, but our feelings will follow. Many times we want our feelings to lead and we, then we're like, our faith will catch up. It doesn't work like that. Our faith has to lead. In other words, I have to make some decisions like, hey, I want to experience more of God's presence. So by faith, I'm going to give some extra time to the word. I'm going to give extra time to even considering what God is speaking to me in this. And my feelings are going, why am I getting up 10 minutes earlier? Why am I getting up? Why am I doing this? Why am I not? You know, in your flesh, your feelings are going to talk to you and they can be very loud. And so by faith, you have to take some steps forward. Maybe it's engaging in worship at a different level. Maybe it's engaging in worship outside of this room. Maybe it's worshiping at home, worshiping in your car, finding a place where you can just cultivate the presence of God in your life. And so over the last number of weeks, that has been my goal is I really desire to stir up in you what I believe God wants for you. Because he wants you to know him. Like more than words on a page, more than just another sermon, but he really wants you to know him intimately and personally. It is the reason that Jesus came. It's the dividing line between the Old Testament where they knew about God and in the New Testament in post-resurrection where we can now actually know God. 
It is the reason that Jesus came to bridge the gap, to bring us back where we can be close and experience the presence of God. And unfortunately, many Christians still live with an Old Testament mentality. An old covenant mentality, which is, pastor, you're the priest, you go into the presence of God and you come back and tell me what he says. But I'm telling you, if that's your thought, you're settling for second best. Because God actually wants to talk to you and God wants you to experience him. In other words, I'm not the barrier between you and God. Now I have a role and I have a function, sure. But it's not to be your middleman. You have full access to the presence of God right now because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And so you can experience, like really experience it. And so over these last few weeks, we've been talking about this. And so, and even this idea in various ways. And, and it doesn't just have to be a fleeting moment. I mean, I've had it happen in my life where... Even in my spiritual walk with the Lord, where I have these moments, these encounters with God, but they're kind of just a, a, a quick moment, but it's fleeting. It's, it, but then there's other times that I've experienced the presence of God that to this day, I still look back on like a mile marker. And I'm like, remember when God spoke this? Remember when God moved in this moment? Remember when, when I was at my wit's end and God stepped into that moment? And I can look back and I can remember the faithfulness of God through the years now. At specific critical times. And God will step into the middle of your critical moment. And he can bring calm to the chaos. And he can give clarity to the chaos. I mean sometimes we pray for peace. And I think one of the best things that the Holy Spirit does for us. Is he gives us clarity during the craziness. So we can kind of see through the noise. You know hear through it. See through all of the distractions. And really see hey God's working right now. You know, this is an old saying, and it's just true, though. And as I was kind of thinking about my notes, you know, how many of you can, I'm going to ask you to finish the statement. Is it, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I'm endeavoring to lead you to water. But it's up to you to drink. I can point you in the direction, and I can say, hey, this is amazing. It's, a, it's about the equivalent of me being like, this is the best restaurant in town. You should really go try it out. It's amazing. Best food you've ever eaten. And you're like, mm, mm, maybe one day. Or maybe it's more of, you know, somebody else told me that too. And I tried it and it wasn't any good. Just a waste of my money. Waste my time. And you can hear somebody like me communicate the word of God and say, I've heard that before. But nothing happened. I didn't experience what they said. And so because of a past experience. Maybe a negative experience. It can actually make you. Uh, it can hinder you from stepping into what God has for you. And, and so I want to share a few verses with you today. Along these lines. And so I'm going to start in verse. Or in John chapter 10. I'm going to start in verse 9. Jesus is speaking and he makes an important statement. He says that I am the gateway. Now, let me give you some clarity and understanding as to why he's saying this. So he's talking about a shepherd and he's actually talking about a shepherd taking care of his sheep. And so if you're familiar with animals and herding and all those types of things, 
A sheep is pretty much defenseless, borderline stupid at times. And so at night, they don't leave them out to roam. A chicken would be the same way. You put them in the roost, right? Why? Because somebody wants to eat some chicken dinner at night. Well, the same thing is true with sheep. And so they would take the sheep, they would put them in a pen, they would close the gate, and the shepherd would sleep against the gate. Why? So that no predator could get in to attack the sheep. And so really what Jesus is saying here is, I'm the doorkeeper. I'm watching at the gate. I am the gatekeeper. And he says, uh, he says, I am the gateway. I am the way. I mean, other places in scripture said, Jesus declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot go to the father except by me. That's what he's talking about. And so he goes on. He says, I am the gateway. It says to enter through me is to experience life. Not to hear about it, not to talk about it, not to ponder about it. It says through me is to experience life freedom and satisfaction over the last couple weeks we've been talking about having our soul satisfied and what that really means and what that really looks like is that we've talked about how we can run and look to other things experiences stuff you name it more success more of this more of that all those kinds of things but at the end of the day, you find yourself wanting something else, wanting something more. It may, it may satisfy short term, but it doesn't bring you the satisfaction in your soul, that longing on the inside of you of that fulfillment that you've been looking for. And yet Jesus here says, if you'll come to me, you'll experience real life, real freedom and real satisfaction. Now, this is a familiar passage. John 10 10 says the thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, to slaughter, to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give you everything in abundance more than you even expect. It says life in its fullness until you overflow. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that I am not at the place of just spilling over overflow, which tells me according to the scripture, there's some room for more. How many of you would acknowledge that, hey, you might have some room for more? Like, yeah, I may not have this overflow abundance that Jesus is talking about. So I have room for more. And the good news is, if you have room for more, Jesus will come and fill it. That's what the Bible says. And, and so, but we have to have this desire to say, God, I want the more that you have for me. You say, well, how do I do this? There's some basic things, yes. But ultimately, you can do all the right things. But if your desire is not there, nothing will happen. Desire is more important than the steps, the discipline. Now, the discipline helps you get to the place of experiencing the presence of God. But the desire is paramount. Like it's the linchpin. Everything hinges on it. And so, so what happens though, is, and what can happen, and we are, we're all susceptible to this, is that we can actually settle for a Jesus as a concept. In other words, I like Jesus on paper. He's a, he's, man, I love Jesus. Jesus is awesome. I love to hear about Jesus, read about Jesus. I love to hear stories about Jesus. Jesus is amazing. But it's, he's off in the distance. It's a concept. We can even think of him as a good man. We can even think of him as the son of God. As the Bible says, and he is. And he is all of these things, by the way. 
But but those ideas can also become very distant. In other words, he's Jesus over there, not Jesus right here. And Jesus wants to be right here. He doesn't just want to be afar off. See, I I don't believe that Jesus came to be reduced to a concept I believe that he came to change even our deepest desires and our wants and our longings and really those things that satisfy our soul. He came for that reason, which, how does he do that? He, He transforms our thoughts, our desires, our ambitions, our goals. There's not a part of our life that Jesus doesn't want to affect and that he can't affect. See, many times our, our desires become crowded And so it's not that we don't want more of God. We just want other things more. But we've got to flip that. And as our desire begins to change, let me say it another way, our appetite. You know, you build an appetite for whatever you eat. Like people keep telling me that this vicious lie, that if I just eat more vegetables and salad that I will like it. (laughs) I'm just not willing to find out, right? I just, it's a vicious lie. I think it's from the pit of hell. I don't want to believe that it's true. But I've heard that if you eat more vegetables, you will like more vegetables. This is what I hear. I'm not willing to put the theory to a test yet. But I do know that it's true. That whatever you eat, you will want more of. You can exist on junk food if all you eat is junk food. And your body will actually want it. When my mom, you, we had a conversation before service. When my mom was pregnant with me, she craved Dr. Pepper. <laughs> it's not my fault. That's what I'm telling you. I was born this way. With another one of my sisters, she craved water. I got the better end of the deal. But, but I mean, it's, it's true. So I drink Dr. Pepper, and guess what I want? Dr. Pepper. Funny story. One time, one of my sisters, somebody had told her, um, you know, they were like, if you stop drinking Cokes for a year, you know, and, and she's like me. She's, she likes Dr. Pepper, too. And uh, so they're like, you'll think it's disgusting. And so she went a whole year because her friend was just on her, on her, on her about it. And she's, uh, so she was telling, I was like, when did you start drinking Dr. Pepper again? She's like, oh, a couple months ago. And so she was like, yeah, it was funny. She goes, I went, you know, to the store one day and I, you know, after a year, because her friend said, you're going to think it's disgusting. She's like, I'm curious. She said she took that sip of that Dr. Pepper and goes, hmm, hello, old friend. And the rest is history. So, yeah. But look, I mean, we will have an appetite for whatever we feed upon. It's just true. And, and so, and this happens not just in, the, just in the food realm. This happens in our soul. It happens in our mind. It happens in all kinds of areas, in entertainment. You know what you're doing? You're feeding your soul as you're entertaining yourself. You may not think of it that way, but you are consuming things through your eyes and through your ears. You know, it's the old preacher joke. You know, if you take country music and you play it backwards, you get your car back, your dog back, your wife back, you know. But (laughs) how many of you like country music? More people than I expected. But, you know, but even that, your music affects you. 
Your appetites affect you. And so there's certain things that you don't need to listen to. And certain things you probably don't need to watch. And it's going to be unique to you. And that's where you have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. And really listening to the convictions of your heart. Why? Because when you ignore those convictions, the Holy Spirit will get quiet. It's not that God is distancing himself from you. It's actually that we are distancing ourselves from him. So I've got to change my appetites and my desires to come back to him. Why? Because Jesus has nothing but good things for me. He has nothing but good things for you. And they are the things that will actually satisfy you. They're the things that will bring real fulfillment to your life. The Apostle Paul wrote, said, said it this way really about kind of his mindset or his approach. I'm going to read it to you out of a different translation, but the more familiar version would say it this way, is that it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And so the Passion Translation says it this way. It says, my old identity, who I was before Jesus, has been co-crucified with the Messiah. When Jesus hung on that cross, so did my life before Jesus. That my life is now hidden in him. And so when he hung on the cross, I was co-crucified with him. And so I no longer live. It says the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. In other words, I am not front and central of my own life. Why? Because I have been crucified with Christ. Now I live in him. He says, for the anointed one lives his life through me. I'm going to make a bold statement. But if you ever read the Bible about Jesus doing something and thought, man, that must have been amazing to see. Sure. Do you realize that the same Jesus in the Bible is the same one who influences your soul right now? Like He came to take residence in you. Not just to be an addition, he wants to affect every part of your life for the better. But see, the enemy works overtime to convince us that the things that God is really asking of us, speaking to us, are actually because he wants to take something from us. Let me tell you what he wants to take from you. Your shame, your pain, your guilt, your past. You can hang on to those if you want to. But if I had a cancer in my body, I would want it removed. Well, all of those things I just named are like cancer. They don't just sit stagnant. They continue to affect and they spread. And so Jesus comes, why? So that we can have life to its fullest potential, to its fullest ability. And so... He goes on here and he says that the anointed one lives his life now through me because we have a union as one. says, my new life is empowered by the faith in the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life for mine. Jesus loved us so much that he took our place. He took our sin. He took our shame. He took our past. He took all of our shortcomings. And said, put it on me. Why? Not so that we could just stay the same. He did it so that we could now live empowered by his spirit on the inside of us to live beyond ourselves. That's what this is talking about. And that's why Paul says, hey, I no longer identify by who I know me to be. 
Like I, I know who I am without Jesus and I know who I am with Jesus. I'm a lot better over here. A whole lot better. So why would I go back? I mean, I'll give you a nice graphic example of this. In the book of Proverbs, it says that when we return to our old way, it's like a dog returning to his... Isn't that a beautiful picture? But see, we can become to a place where we're no longer satisfied in our relationship with the Lord, and we think it's his fault. We think that he's the problem. There's no lack of willingness or ability on God's part to pour out his spirit in, our, in, in us and in our life. But yet we can become dissatisfied with our relationship with him because we stop investing in our relationship with him. I could become dissatisfied in my relationship with my wife, if, but, it's gonna be, but the reason is because I stopped investing in my relationship, in my time, in my energy, in my focus with her. And then I'm going to say, you know what, she just ain't doing it for me no more. But you know, that's how we treat Jesus. He's just not doing it for me like he used to. And I, when I first got saved, man, it was awesome. I felt the presence of God. He was doing stuff. He was speaking to me, but he he just kind of gotten quiet on me. Guess it's time to go find something else to do. No, it's time to go back and do what you did. I mean, I remember when I got saved, I was 16 years old, almost 17. And I'd have my friends call me and they'd be like, hey, let's go hang out. Let's go do this. I'm like, no, I'm going to stay home. And I would stay home and read my Bible. How weird is that? That a teenage kid would choose to stay home and to read the Bible. But something had changed in me. And see, the convicting thought is, would I do the same thing today? Or would I say, I'll catch up with you later, Jesus. I'm going to go hang out. See, I was raised in church, but at some point, Jesus became real. And it began to change my mind. It began to change my life. There was some serious change happening on the inside of me. And I didn't have a clue what was going on. But God's faithful. And I've had to learn that, you know, and even as the longer that I've walked with the Lord. I believe this summer is 25 years that I've walked with the Lord. Is that right? Pretty close. It's either 24 or 25. But I have found that in those moments where my spiritual hunger begins to wane is that it's actually my desire is the problem. And then when I get my desire back where it needs it, it's like God shows up. Really what, what that accurate picture is, I show back up in the presence of God because he was there all along. And so this desire has to be stirred up on the inside of us. And many times in one of the greatest culprits, I believe, that can actually very much... Uh, influence our desire is that we we slip into this place of just being a comfortable christian but how many of you know that jesus did not call us to be comfortable it's quite the opposite i mean jesus did some weird stuff pretty amazing things but he also did some kind of weird things why i think just to keep people on their toes Just to say, I got another way. We fed this multitude this way. Hey, let's do it a different way this time. Why? Just because. 
I'm convinced of this. In my years of walking with the Lord, I'm like, God, you did it this way last time. You did it this way here. Let's just do that again. Let's run that play. It worked. It was awesome. Let's just go that way. And God's like, no. And I'm like, why? I was playing this song. I was staying over here. I had my hands like this. And I was worshiping. And I had the lights right. And the air hit me right here. So, God, I'm back in that place. God, where are you at? Because that's comfortable because I know that. And sometimes I get into these routines of even experiencing the presence of God. And then it's like God's like, hey, you're becoming too dependent on that environment. I need to change things up. So you're going to have to come find me in a new place. And what I find is that, and here's the thing. You're like, well, why does God want us to go deeper with him? Because where he has for us, the season that we were in is no longer really acceptable to get me into the next season that God has for me. So in other words, the grace for this season is no longer enough for today. What used to be enough is no longer enough. And we think that God has abandoned us and no God is actually just causing us to what to to press in so that we can go to a different place. So that there's a new grace and a new level that he wants to bring into our life, but we have to what? Seek him. We have to pursue him. He's calling us to a new place and we just don't know that it is a new place. We think it's just another place. It's not another place. It's a new place. It's a better place. And God is calling us to that place to be with him, to draw us into him. So he's not looking to make us comfortable. It's quite the opposite. Jesus doesn't like comfortable. Why? Because comfortable becomes complacent real quick. The comfort's not a bad thing. The complacency is. And the complacency is what changes us. So what Jesus is actually looking for is for a people whose primary aim is to please the one who has saved them. The one who has called them. The one who is stirring up. He's looking for obedient followers. Those who won't be satisfied by the status quo. That won't, be, that won't settle for normal. That just say, man, there is more and God, I want the more. Whatever that looks like, I want the more. I have room for more and I want it. And we were singing about it a minute. I will make room. You got to make some room in your life for the presence of God. Why? Because it's the only thing that number one will satisfy you. But it's also the only thing that will sustain you in the days in which you live. It's more than just, oh, I got my spirit filled up. No, you need the sustaining power of God to exist and live and not be overwhelmed by the days in which we live. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed gas prices lately, but I heard there was a rush on gas yesterday. Multiple places and cities throughout the nation because it dropped like 20 cents. We were like, oh my gosh, they're blocking traffic and freaking out. I don't care what the gas prices are. Why? My God will supply all of my needs. According to his riches, his ability, not mine. Do I have to like the price that I pay at the pump? No. I try not to look at it because it's discouraging. But why would I be moved by a gas pump when my daddy has the cattle on a thousand hills and he said, I already know what you need before you even ask me. So why don't you think, like, do you think that's even a thing for me that I couldn't get you what you need? But see, when I'm in his presence, I know that. 
When, I, when I'm walking with the Lord and my relationship with him is tight, I know that he will take care of me. I'm not stressed about it. I begin to get stressed when I forget who he is. And I begin to get stressed when I begin, there becomes some distance and I begin to question his faithfulness and his commitment and his love to me. But when I draw close to him, his presence reassures me that he is who he says he is. Nobody has to tell me his presence alone confirms that in my heart. And so that's where I have to be into the presence of God. See, the thing about Christianity that I believe that many people miss is that they think that we're blind followers. Well, I'm just blindly just, Jesus said to do it. I'm just supposed to do it. No, we have a God who we can experience personally, intimately. I mean, I've taken a few, what I would consider, fairly large steps of faith in my life. And were they scary? Yes, at times. But it was also in those moments where I was maybe the most freaked out in some ways that also sensed the presence of God the most. And so it brought me clarity even in the midst of that moment. I mean, we're all human beings. We have thoughts, we have feelings, we have emotions. But the presence of God is the thing that will come in and settle our soul, settle our thoughts, settle our minds. So God's not asking you to be a blind follower. It's not just kind of like, well, I'm just going to do what they tell me to do. I don't know if it works. No, you can experience the presence of God for you. Psalms 34 verse 8 says this. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. It's two components. Taste, experience, and see that God is good. I mean, I could tell you about the best restaurant in town that you've never been to. I probably haven't been there yet. If you've got some suggestions, I will gladly listen. But, what good is the best restaurant if I can't taste the food? If you tell me it's the best one, I want to go check it out. But yet here the scriptures tell us to taste and see. That word taste means experience. Have you ever had an experience with food? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, that ain't food. That's like angel stuff right there. I don't even know. It's like glory dust is sprinkled on that steak. I don't know how they got it that tender or that perfect. But oh my gosh. And this sauce and the topping that they put on it. Mm. The Lord has created all things and they are good. Like have a worship moment right there at the table. Like, Lord Jesus. I'm sorry, I got, I got distracted. It's getting close to lunchtime. Actually, my, this is no joke. My mind just went to a particular place with a particular steak, with a particular topping, and I can almost taste it right now. Seems crazy, but it, how many of you that happened just right then? You're like, oh my gosh. Like this was the, the lights were like this. I could smell this. The bread smelled like this. They brought me that little fluffy butter, you know. I mean, am I making anybody hungry this morning? You're like, time to go. It's time to eat lunch. And yet here, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord actually is good. You're like, in other words, you don't have to take my word for it. You really don't. You can taste and see that the Lord is good. 
It goes on, it says, Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Have you ever been at a, like a, one time me and Dara, we went on a cruise with a couple of friends and this was a number of years ago and so we went and, you know, if you've ever been on a cruise, you know, it's kind of buffet style. And so they bring you the menu and you're like, this is course one, this is course two, this is course three, I want this. And so we would all make sure that nobody was ordering the same thing because we all wanted a sample, you know, because we didn't want to miss out on something. And so we would sit there around the table. It was two of my good friends and their wives as well. And. You know, we'd start to eat something. It was just like, oh my gosh. Everybody's like, what? Tell us. Do tell. (laughs) Like, I can't even describe it. You just have to try it. It's so good. What is it? I don't even know. I don't even care. Like, just try a bite. Hey, can we get more of that? Whatever that is. what I'm telling you is that Jesus is actually better than that. Is that I have tasted and I have seen the goodness of God. And not because I'm special, it's because I'm a child. And the good news is that you're a child of God, just like me. I'm a child of God before my function and role as a pastor. So I don't have special privilege that you don't have. You have full access to the presence of God. And what I'm telling you is, he is so good. You just got to try it. Because I can't explain it. I can't put it into words. Why? Because every time I need him, it's in a different way. And every time I need him, he supplies. And he shows up. and And he brings what I need in that moment. Whether it's strength, whether it's wisdom, whether it's peace. Whatever the situation is, I've yet to find anything that Jesus could not answer. And he is that good. And he is that loving. And his presence is that sweet. And his word actually brings life to my soul. But I come back to, you've got to desire it. I mean, if I had a plate of like your favorite best food ever. And I said, hey, do you want some? You're like, ah, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm full. Like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is the best one ever. You're like, ah. I'm not really hungry right now. So the best whatever. Like, I swear my mom makes the best banana pudding on the planet. I won't share it because I will eat it all. My wife is a very close second. That was a prerequisite when we got married. It's funny because it's true. Okay. But if I don't have an appetite for it, I won't eat it. I won't partake of it. See, we have to have a hunger deep within us that says, God, I don't want to settle for anything less than your best. I want to be fulfilled. Like, I mean, really, like, fulfilled. I've shared this scripture with you almost every week, and I'm going to wrap up with this. Worship team, you can go ahead and head up this morning. Last week I shared about this. The previous weeks I shared about this, and I really wanted to close out. This is my last sermon in this series. 
But I wanted to come back to this scripture again that I've been touching on, I believe, every week. But in John chapter 4, this is the story of the woman at the well. And, you know, we've talked about it, so I'm not going to go into all the details of it. But Jesus asked the lady for water and she says, you know, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then Jesus makes a statement to her. In verse 10, Jesus responds to her. And he says, if you only knew the gift that God has for you, if you only knew the good things that God had for you, if you only could grab hold of how much God actually loves you and how much he wants to give you his absolute best, he has a gift and it's free and it's yours. It's available to you. He tells her, he says, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are and who you are speaking to you would ask me and I would give you living water if you only knew if you could only believe that God had something so good for you if you could only grab hold of the gift that God has for you and say God I want that his presence is the most precious thing that he gives us It is. There's no blessing beyond his presence that even comes close. I mean, God has blessed us financially. doesn't come close to his presence. Because all the money in the world can't buy me peace. It can't buy me peace of mind. It can't buy me peace of heart. But his presence can calm me in a moment. And I can be a bit emotional at times. And I get all up in my feelings and I get angry about stuff. And I can just step into the presence of God and it's just... Everything calms down. He can give me joy in the middle of some pretty trying moments. And yet there's a real joy on the inside. I mean, you know, we, I've made the joke many times that Jesus is always the right answer, right? You know, in the church, like if you don't know the answer to the question, just say Jesus. That's probably the right answer. But you know, there's actual truth in that statement, though, is that Jesus really is the right answer. And he says to this lady, which he says to us, if you only knew the gift the gift that God has for you, you would ask for it. You would ask him. You know, last week I actually led you in a prayer and say, Jesus, I received the gift that you want to give me today. If you weren't here, I would encourage you, pray that prayer. Just say, Jesus, whatever you have for me, I'll take it. I I, I want what you have to give me. Even if that makes me uncomfortable at times. Why? And it's okay to be uncomfortable. Why? Because Jesus can be trusted. He really can. And so this morning, I want to, we're going to step back into a time of worship here in a moment together. And this is just a time for you to connect with the Lord. I mean, you'll have an opportunity. If you need prayer for anything, we'll have prayer partners down here. But if you don't have need of prayer, what you do have need of is the presence of God. You're like, well, how do you know that? Because we all do. I need the presence of God. And so as we worship, what we're doing, and you're like, well, why do we worship? We're turning down the noise of the week so that we can focus on the Lord. We can tune our desire into the Lord to say, Lord, here I am. Fill me up to overflowing. Why? Because I need the presence of God to function. To be at my optimal, to be at my best. I need the presence of God and so do you. So when we worship here in a moment, that's what we're doing. We're just 
adjusting our appetite, looking to the Lord, and God, I want what you have for me. And that can happen right in the middle of our worship. It can happen in your car. It can happen anywhere you want it to. That's the beauty of the presence of God. It can be available anytime, anywhere that I need it. So before we do that, though, would you just bow your heads with me this morning? I want to pray over you, but I also want to give an invitation as well. You know, the beginning of of really knowing and experiencing the presence of God is actually in a relationship with him. You don't get to experience the presence of God without Jesus. Jesus said, I am the gate. I'm the gatekeeper. Nobody comes to the Father except by me, through me. I am the way. There's not other ways. Jesus said, I am the way. Why? Because he's the only one who hung on the cross for us. Nobody else did that. He paid the price of our sins. Beyond that, he's also the only one who rose from the dead for us. There are many people who have died believing certain things, but Jesus is the one who rose from the dead. And the Bible says that he did all of those things so that we could actually come back into and have a real relationship with with the Father. And so you, you may be here this morning and maybe you were like me and you've prayed the prayer in church a lot. But you've never had that belief. And that's key. The Bible says you have to believe in your heart that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is. That he did what the Bible says he did. You have to believe that with your heart. And the Bible says you have to confess that with your mouth. Like, well, why? Because that's what the Bible says. And I believe that the word of God is true. And if it's true, it has power. And I've experienced the, the power of God. So maybe you're here and you've either never prayed that prayer. Maybe you're like me and, hey, you've prayed it many times, but you just didn't actually have your faith connected to it, that belief. Maybe you've been away from the Lord. You're like, man, I just need to come back. I need to come back home. I'm going to lead you in just a, a brief prayer. And you can pray this prayer. And the Bible says, not that you might be, the Bible says that you will be saved right now. Saved from what? Saved from your sin, safe from hell, safe from, from all of the, the, the work of darkness in your life. And God says, hey, I want to bring my good stuff into your life. So would everyone just pray this with me and say, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he paid the price of my sin. And I ask you right now to cleanse my conscience of all of my past of all of my guilt, of all of my shame. I thank you right now that I am made new, that I get a fresh start right now. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that when you speak to me, that I hear your voice, that I'll be quick to obey it as you lead me into the life that Jesus has provided for me. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can we just, as a show of support...